The election is over. The nation has a new president and a new chapter in history has begun. We don't know what lies ahead, but NPR will continue to bring you the best coverage from coast to coast to help you make sense of it all. Listen every day. Good morning. It's 830. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, revamping the way the state funds public education. Kids in those districts need the extra money to offset barriers that are there for high-poverty school districts. They need that extra funding, so equity is important. But not only that, the state has to set a standard for adequate education in the state of Mississippi. Starting and finishing college for a better way of life. A look ahead at the next legislative session in January, and it's flu season in Mississippi. Have you had your shot? That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This week, a House committee in the Mississippi legislature voted not to reveal the details of a state contract with the education consulting group EdBuild, the advisory group hired to oversee revamping the state's public school funding formula. The decision drew fire from education advocates and from Democrats in the legislature. Speaking to reporters yesterday, Governor Phil Bryan stopped short of criticizing legislators for the decision, but says an open government is a better government. I'm for open records. Our our office, every office I've been in, we try to be very open and transparent. Um, And so I won't, I don't know all of the details of that. I'm not going to be critical of it, but I I just believe an open government's a better government. Well, I certainly can see anything that we have within the governor's office. And yes, I, I think the taxpayers, we try to be as transparent as we can. We put most everything that we have on webs on the website. Uh, that's a legislature's decision to make, and um, I'm not going to judge them today for that. I personally and have tried throughout my career to be very open with records. Uh, those are the taxpayers' dollars and the taxpayers' business. Uh, again, the legislature is able to make those decisions without uh, having to ask the executive branch, and so that's their decision to make. I will say um, I think uh, more open government is a better government. The controversy over recrafting the public school formula continued at a public hearing at the state capitol yesterday. Some say the formula, known as MAEP, has only been fully funded twice in 19 years. Some say there's no way to know if it's effective. Others talked about the need for equity funding for lower-income school districts. MPB's Desiree Frazier spoke with Aisha Carson of Jackson, a public education advocate. She says equity and education funding should be the first goal. The point I really want to get across today is that equity in education is so important. I'm an education advocate, a public education advocate, and equity in education is so important, especially for a state like Mississippi that has a high percentage of high poverty school districts. Kids in those districts need the extra money to offset barriers that are there for high poverty school districts. They need that extra funding, so equity is important, but not only that. The state has to set a standard 
for adequate education in the state of Mississippi. It's an accountability measure because as long as we have this conversation about equity in education, but we have a legislator that can act outside of Mississippi law and not be held accountable for it, all of these conversations are not even important because at the end of the day, they can make a decision to either fully fund or not to fully fund. What needs to happen is that there needs to be concrete Mississippi state statute that sets a standard. This is what adequate education is for students in the state of Mississippi, and we are going to meet this standard every single time. And when we are not, we will be held accountable, either by the constituents or in Mississippi State Court. Simple as that. I think that Initiative 42 was a popular uh, initiative on the ballot specifically because People know that we need to set a standard for education in the state of Mississippi. And they, Are you a teacher? No, I'm not a teacher. I'm just an advocate. And without that standard, any formula is not going to work because the legislator can decide when and when not to fund education. Bill, if people did their research, is an organization that understands equity in education. But that doesn't mean that they're advocates for public education. What's important is that advocates of public education, parents, students, and teachers make sure that their representatives hear their voice in regards to wanting to invest in public education. MPB's Desiree Frazier with education advocate Asia Carson. Lawrence Doublefield is a public education advocate who used to operate a Montessori school in Vicksburg. She tells Desiree Fraser fully funding the current public education formula would go a long way toward establishing equity in education in the state. My point that I was trying to get across is that the the formula as it stands, were it to be fully funded consecutively and consistently for several years, would be a much better indicator of whether or not it needed to be changed. It's not broken. We don't need to try to fix it. We need to fund it. These school children need the benefit of their funding and all of their funding, not just whatever part the legislature feels like they need to give. How do you feel about having one day, uh, one hour essentially for comments? This whole, this is not transparent. This this is not good government. Okay. This, if this is truly a public hearing, it needs to be held at a time and a place when it is convenient for all people, including school teachers, to be able to be here. It needs to have adequate notice. And honestly, several other people who commented are correct. It really needs to happen in more than one place and at more than one time. I'm a public school graduate. My children are public school graduates. Public education is probably the single most important investment we make in each other. MPB's Desiree Frazier with education advocate Lawrence Doublefield at a public hearing yesterday on whether the state should change how it funds public schools. Up next, starting and finishing college for a better way of life. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The election is over and the nation has selected a new president and with it a new chapter in history has begun. We don't know what lies ahead, but NPR will continue to bring you the best coverage from coast to coast. Listen every day. Coming up this week on MPB's At Issue, we preview the 2017 legislative session. Lawmakers will soon get back to work at the state capitol. Education, infrastructure, and the budget are expected to be at the top of the agenda. MPB political analysts Democrat Brandon Jones and Republican Austin Barber provide insight on the critical issues facing the state and how legislators handle them. Join us for Mississippi's only statewide television news program at issue this Friday at 7.30 p.m. on MPB-TV. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. 
Leaders of Mississippi's universities and community colleges are announcing a plan to encourage people to complete college degrees. The Complete to Compete program aims at people who started college but never earned a degree or certificate. At a press conference yesterday announcing the program, Governor Phil Bryant said more Mississippians with college degrees means more Mississippians ready for the jobs of the future. I think it's one of the most remarkable things um, that we've done in education in modern history. Working with IGL and Community College, we will look at over 200,000 Mississippians that are either have completed the required number of hours for an associate's degree, uh, so they can contact their associate uh, or college today, the community college, and get that degree and hang it on their wall. Uh, and many of them can go online and just uh, complete a few courses, a little more coursework, and get a bachelor's degree or, or again, uh, an associate's degree. Over 200,000 Mississippians will qualify for this program. Uh, They will complete to to compete, as we call it, and compete in the new workforce of the future by having a college degree. Uh, My challenge is we talk about, for example, the T-100 Air Force trainer. Uh, Those are advanced manufacturing jobs, Um, but the uh, research jobs, the medical jobs that we see going unfilled in Mississippi uh, because we just simply do not have enough college graduates. We're only graduating 30% of those that started our universities at community college. Uh, we can get the, uh, the higher-paying, more advanced workforce uh, than we can get the higher-paying, more advanced jobs. Governor Phil Bryant on the new Complete to Compete initiative. Andrea Mayfield, executive director of the State Community College Board, tells MPB's Ezra Wall, students who complete a college degree make a great investment in their futures. I, too, was a first-generation college student. I dropped in and out of college uh, as a young adult. And, you know, I I wish that someone had reached out to me, and perhaps I would have returned at a much earlier earlier time. Uh, Of course, I did return, and I have seen the benefits of obtaining your degree. It makes a difference. It makes a difference not only in your quality of life uh, from a financial perspective, but it also makes a difference in in what you think about yourself. In Dr. Boyce's presentation, we saw that people who don't have any college degree have trouble even making more than $25,000 a year. How important is it for people to attain some form of college education? It's important to attain college education, whether it's an associate's degree or higher, because that is what will lead to your financial independence through a sustainable wage. And that's key to spending and economic development here in our state. For people who haven't uh, haven't been back to college, haven't thought about it for a while and might be worried about how do I get in, how do I find my old transcripts, how do I pay for it, stuff like that, uh, talk about how, how that process works. What do they have to do to actually uh, qualify to go to college? The, the easiest thing to do is simply to reach out to uh, the admissions department at the college if they want to speak to someone. Everything is online, but for those individuals who really want to face-to-face or, or listen to someone on the phone, simply reach out to the admissions office, and, and each college will explain what needs to take place to make that happen. In terms of getting credit for classes that they've already taken, if those classes were taken quite some time ago, would they still count against a, an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree now in 2016? They will count, yes. 
MPB's Ezra Wall with Andrea Mayfield, head of the State Community College Board, on Complete to Compete. The new initiative is meant to help Mississippians finish college. Up next, a look ahead at the next legislative session in January. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Owens. I'm Dr. Allie Brown. Join us on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio, where we talk about issues related to health from a woman's perspective. Listen to us on Southern Remedy for Women on Fridays on MPB from 11 to 12. You don't have to be a woman to call in. So we'd love to hear from you. It's the show for women and the people who love them. Listen to us this morning. We'll be taking your calls to answer all your health questions. It's Southern Remedy for Women. This morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. When the state legislature convenes in January, a lot will be on the agenda. From the state's crumbling infrastructure to possibly changing how public schools are funded. Tonight's At Issue on MPB TV will take a look ahead at the legislative session. In this clip from the show, Wilson Stribling speaks with Republican Austin Barber and Democrat Brandon Jones about what we might expect when legislators gavel in. Barber speaks first. One of the biggest issues is going to be trying to determine what they're going to do with MAEP, which, of course, is the formula that is used, that the legislature uses, and I I guess the State Department of Education uses, to determine how much money school districts get uh, in terms of funding from the state. That's going to be a big issue. And then um, roads and bridges. Roads and bridges is a big issue that I think is not a partisan issue. Uh, there, there are both Republicans, there are Democrats, there are business community that wants to see something done. To me, those are you know two of the biggest issues. And I, if I had to add a third one, which obviously is very important, which is the budget issue. Uh, I think there's some good news that revenue estimates are up for next year, up about $105 million, give or take. And I think the legislature is going to be cautious and very conservative with how that they budget uh, next year. Uh, Brandon, what are your, uh, what do you think is going to be the top issue? Well, you know, our, our legislature is not one to telegraph their passes. We've had some study committees. We've looked at some things, but it's, it's being held very close to the vest at this point. I'm not sure what exactly the tax proposals will be, but if you go to the legislative website, you can click on a link that shows you a PowerPoint presentation that is sort of like those drug commercials that you're not really sure what they're supposed <laughs> to be treating. Um, so I don't know what we're going to expect, but it looks like they're agitating in, with taxes. Um, also, I think Austin's right. There's going to be some education proposal of some kind. And um, there's been a lot of uh, interest in some type of comprehensive infrastructure bill for roads and bridges. So I would be surprised if we leave this session as we did last year without one. Yeah, I don't think they'll do much on taxes this year, Brandon, in terms of tax cuts. I mean, last year they passed the largest tax cut, I think, in state history when they got rid of the corporate franchise tax. They got rid of the 3% income tax, and there was another uh, tax that, that they cut. They may look at some smaller things, but I think that leadership is, understands, let's give this some time to work. Uh, and and help raise uh, raise, uh, the GDP and bring more and better jobs to Mississippi. So I I wouldn't say, I don't think there'll be some kind of massive tax plan. I could be wrong, like it was last year. We did end last year without a comprehensive uh, plan for roads and bridges. 
And it, the, the idea of a tax, perhaps on gasoline, to help with road and infrastructure uh, repair and upkeep uh, might be a, a real possibility. You think we might see that, Brandon? I hope so. I, I think every person in Mississippi that's been here for a while, uses our roads and bridges, recognizes there's a need there. The business community seems to recognize there's a need there. I, I think you have three options, honestly. You can do nothing, which is what we've done in the past. Um, or you can follow what I think Senate Democrats are going to propose, which is to roll back the corporate fa- franchise tax. It has not gone into effect yet. Over the course of the next 20 years, it'll produce about $6.5 billion. So without raising a single tax, you could have a $20 billion, or excuse me, $6.5 billion uh, infrastructure plan, which would be pretty thoroughgoing for a state our size. And then the third option that I don't really care for is this idea of raising the gas tax. I think one of the messages of the Trump presidency is that people are fighting to get into the middle class. I don't think that cutting a corporate franchise tax while raising a gas tax is necessarily the way to go. So I think we'll have some competing ideas there at the state capitol. Yeah, that's really interesting that Brandon says that. I thought you may be, because some people would call gas tax a user tax. If you're going to be on the highways and you're going to use them, we're going to have to pay a little bit extra to do it. I don't know what I don't know what they're going to do, to be honest with you. It's a lot of money. I think last year there was a number of maybe $300 million annually. It's a ton of money. Um, you know, obviously we, we do have a $5.7 billion uh, annual budget. So I'm not quite sure, you know, what they'll do, but they're certainly going to be looking for uh, ways to do this. Probably, maybe not at a $300 million number, but they're certainly will be looking for a number to, to try to, to um, put towards uh, roads and bridges in a more comprehensive way. That was Wilson Stribling with Austin Barber and Brandon Jones in a clip from tonight's At Issue. You can catch the entire show at 7.30 on MPB TV. Up next, it's flu season in Mississippi. Have you got your shot? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. It's high school football time, and that means it's time for Friday night under the lights. Hello, everyone. I'm Russ Robinson. Join me, Jay White, Jake Wimberly, George Broadstreet, and the whole gang as we bring you all the scores and the stories that make up high school football across the state of Mississippi. So join us tonight at 10 o'clock right here on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi has its first reported case of the flu. Immunizations against the deadly disease have been available at physicians' offices, clinics, and pharmacies since early October, but many in the state still haven't gotten their flu shot. We spoke with Dr. Paul Byers, state epidemiologist, about the disease. He says the length of flu season varies from year to year. In Mississippi, we have, just like other states do and nationally, a flu surveillance network of providers who report to us each week the number of folks that they see that have an illness consistent with flu. And part of that process is they submit samples to us for testing at the public health lab. And that uh, surveillance network um, actually uh, goes throughout the year, but we really get it ramped up when we start getting into flu season, which traditionally starts for us in October. So we start looking for flu really hard in October. And what this means is this is the first positive in our lab 
for this season. That doesn't mean that it's the first case of flu in Mississippi, but it's the first one that we've seen through our surveillance network that's positive so far. You know, we have some variability with our flu seasons. Uh, This is an earlier case for us than we've seen in the past couple of years, but it's hard to put a whole lot of significance on that as far as what the season is going to be like. But it is a reminder for us that flu is out there, and for those folks who haven't gotten their flu shots yet, they need to go ahead and do so. What is the time period for flu season? Typically in Mississippi, it can start as early as October, and then it can extend into March and April, and sometimes as long as May. Our typical flu season is usually uh, most active in January and February. But again, there can be some variability. We've seen seasons that have more activity very early, and we've had seasons that have had activity later in the season. But we are in our flu season now. Have any strains been identified with this particular flu? You know, so far what's being seen nationally is a mix of, of several different types of flu that are contained within the flu vaccine. So what that means is, so far this year, the flu vaccine is a good, good match for what's circulating in, uh, in the country and causing illness. So that's very important because we've had seasons before where it hasn't been a good match. But so far, early indications are that it is a good match. A friend of mine had the flu. She also had a flu shot prior to and, and within that time frame where it's supposed to take effect. Now, her flu was still like a normal, horrible flu. So talk about the vaccine itself, what it does. It doesn't prevent the flu, obviously. Well, it can, but there's a couple of things about the flu vaccine. First of all, once you get it, it takes a couple of weeks before that flu shot um, gives you good protection. So sometimes people have already been exposed to flu and are incubating flu, and they get the flu shot, and then they become ill. And it's not because the flu shot wasn't protective. It's just that you got exposed to the flu in the time frame before the shot was protective. Additionally, um, flu shots can prevent the flu. But most importantly, flu shots, if you get the flu after you've been vaccinated, it reduces the severity. There is uh, evidence to show, especially for older people, that um, vaccinated individuals have decreased chances of hospitalization and severe complications from influenza and have a decreased risk of having death from influenza. And flu can cause death, although for most of us it's a uh, relatively mild illness. It can make you sick like your friend was, and it can make you feel really bad, but most of us recover within a few days. But for some of us, it can be a very severe illness. When you say that flu can kill, is it the flu itself, or does it? are there complications that develop, such as pneumonia? Usually is a pneumonia, and it can be a viral pneumonia directly from the flu, or it can be a bacterial pneumonia as a result of a complication from the flu. We see this more, most commonly in people who already have some underlying problems. Um, we see it in children. Children are, are very prone to severe infection, especially children under the age of five. Um, but uh, we can see severe illness in children. We can also see severe illness in people who have a history of asthma or chronic lung disease, people who have diabetes, people who have underlying chronic medical problems 
that reduce their immunity or reduce their ability to fight off that infection. Are there other conditions that mimic the flu? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of viral infections that can cause sort of a respiratory viral illness. Uh, and we're getting into the time of the year when those things uh, circulate. It's important for you that if you think you have the flu, to see your doctor, especially if you have some of those underlying chronic problems that would uh, put you at risk for complications. There are medications that can be started if early in the course of the illness that can reduce the severity of the, uh, of the flu and can reduce how long it, uh, it makes you sick. Dr. Paul Byers is Mississippi's epidemiologist. Thank you so much, Dr. Byers. Absolutely. Thank you. Coming up after Mississippi edition, it's Gestalt Gardner, Next Stop Mississippi, and Southern Remedy for Women. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Have a great weekend, and I hope you'll join us again Monday morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. It's March.